So this is part two of my conversation with Matt Huss. Uh, however, before we get into that, I wanted to, once again, tell you about the comedy night that myself and Ben Morgan are running. It's called Red Cup Comedy. It's going to be monthly from the 1st of April from the White House, in the White House bar in Farringdon, London. It will feature about five of some of the greatest stand-up acts on the circuit monthly and two headliners, one that's up and coming and one that's been on TV. And it's free entry. So what the hell are you waiting for? Get on the Facebook and get on the event right to book tickets. And here is the second part to my conversation with Matt Hoss. Enjoy. that as well and yeah. even now I'm quite good at translating uh, my, my, but sometimes it's not all in my head something weird that I do is immediately funny but it's not so it's sometimes like people just don't understand it and I yeah. have to break it down a bit more as well so when I'm writing new stuff that's what I do but yeah so um, I wasn't performed for a long time but stand up was the most uh, accessible uh, for me okay. um, so where was your first gig do you remember yeah I do um it was at a vegetarian cafe, which is now closed, called the Veg Box. Uh, it was um, uh, a promoter called Paul Tingey ran it, uh, and uh, he kindly gave me a gig for my first ever go. And now I was really nervous as well. I had written a couple of routines, five minutes, and uh, yeah, I um, I I have flashbacks. Uh, I think I've got a recording somewhere, but I don't want to listen to it. But like, uh, yeah, I I remember doing a joke uh, about talking about my racist grandparents good stuff but the I what what I didn't learn is that if I say those things, it made me look sound a bit racist as well. Sound a bit. Okay, so what? Uh, if I remember correctly, is I I, I, re, I quoted something that my uh, nana. I said, oh my nana, uh, uh, my my family says to me a little bit like uh, risque. Uh, they say uh, these um, oh, aren't these people a bit racist? And I never said it out loud, and that was be my big. But I just quoted them. Yeah, I mean, there's no joke there. Yeah, I mean, uh, so that's what I mean by the weirdness trend layer. Like, <laughs> there's no joke on top of that. People are like. Okay. Um, um, so that was that awkward bit at the end, uh, and I didn't know how to finish. And I was like, I knew I had to finish with a big laugh. So I was like, okay, I've got to do something to get a laugh. And there was a, the promoter's son, or um, uh, uh, at least the, the promoter knew this uh, son, about 12 years old, this kid. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to say every swear word at this child and just hope for the best. Oh, and, uh, yeah. dear. And, uh, it didn't get any more laughs. So. I, can, I can imagine. What, you, what, you mean, what, you swear? at a child yeah. didn't get laughs Matt yeah, Hoss yeah, it, was, it wasn't my proudest moment <laughs> uh, but like I thought I did really well afterwards as well uh, but yeah it was, uh, it was September 2014 I'd say yeah and uh, yeah uh, uh, I, I've done better gigs since then I think well I've got I've got a little theory like you've got for your first gig you've got to bond well you know what I, I've listened to a lot of comedians comedian podcasts and I'm they say they have what, 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 what's that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's that? What's that? <laughs> it's, it's trademark. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, some, some podcasts uh, done by some unsuccessful loser. Well, uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know who. Uh, Stuart. Some Stuart Gold. I love the podcast. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, yeah uh, joking aside, uh, uh, it's obviously an amazing podcast. But, like, I always got a bit weirded out about it. It's like, um, a lot of people say that they smashed their first gig and died in their second gig, but for me it was the yeah. other way round. I, I died, well, not, I didn't die, I did 
in my head, I did, I did fine for the time, and I think that was crucial. Yeah. But in my second gig, I stormed it. I did like, I did like, uh, but it was a friendly audience, and people were so on my side, and uh, I could have said anything. But that was like an overwhelming feeling. You know? the, the first time where you smash a gig and everyone loves you. That yeah. It's like, I think for a long, in the first couple of years in stand-up, I was always chasing that high, that because uh, I don't think I got that response for a long time. You know, like, it took a while to get to that that fevered high. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, and I think. Uh, I was trying to chase that dragon for a while as well. But, uh, yeah. So, um, so your theory is that one for, uh, you have to bomb your first. I game. think. I think. I uh, maybe not. You have to, but it helps if you do, yeah. and then you experience what. Because I've died on my first. I died on my first gig. It was like. Well, yeah, I, had no, gig, yeah. I, had, I had no choice but to die on my first gig because it was literally, it was a Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock, two o'clock. Um, it was myself, the MC, and two other and the two other comics on the bill. Yeah, awful. No, I, right, no. But I got one laugh. <laughs> one, I, laugh. I, one laugh. I got one laugh. And I was that's like, bad. right. That's, 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 that's uh, And I went up there with, obviously, I'd rehearsed stuff, but I had no notes. Yeah. And they can tell that it was my first ever gig, and they were like really, really surprised that it was my first ever one. Well, yes, I find that slightly contradictory because, like, I think if they were being supported, they would be kind of like, uh, give you, be more encouraging with laughter and things like that. But if they only give you one laugh, I think they've done that kind of open mic thing where they're kind of like, oh, I'm only going to laugh, uh, you know, at the people. Yeah. But the thing is, they didn't know. I didn't tell them it was my first group. Oh, I see. I didn't tell them yeah. until literally. Uh, until afterwards, even the oh, MC, okay, I didn't yeah. tell. I, I said, "Oh, that was my first ever gig." And they was like, "Really?" Well, then they genuinely were like really, really supportive. Oh, afterwards, nice. they, was, like, yeah, they were like, good. "Just keep going. Like you've done, you've done the first thing, and that's so um, by getting off the stage, and you didn't have any notes. That's really brave of you. That's really that's that's well, that's yeah. Uh, well, that's even nicer to us because I, I. I kind of view comedy as a community, but uh, yeah. especially in open mic, people can be quite bitter about it. Oh, well. yeah. Uh, and especially people who have been doing the same sets, the same gigs, in the same kind of uh, areas for a long time. Mm. You know, they don't progress as well. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, there's probably, there's usually a reason why, but also they often blame other people for that, but I yeah. don't think that's no. the case. You know? Well, I think in London, there's a tendency to only gig within London, and that's dangerous. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, I'm now trying at least twice a month to go to an open mic in, like, Norwich or somewhere or somewhere else in the country just to experience what how other, pe- how other people think. Yeah, because I think there can be kind of a... Um, it annoys me when I see... Because I gig all over the place, and it annoys me when I see people going to Edinburgh, like, jokes about the tube. It's like, Jesus. that's not necessarily relatable, you know what I mean? I think you've got to make it broad, um, but equally, and I don't see it all the time, but it's like, uh, when I first started, I, I, I actually got a master's degree in stand-up comedy, and what that means, uh, oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, um, so part of that degree was uh, performing, writing and performing every week to the same crowd, yeah. uh, and uh, there's a couple, the issue with that is that, um, the module, uh, well, there's several modules of that, uh, and uh, there's one called the Open Mic Project where you have to do as many gigs as possible and write about your experience in the Open Mic. That gets you outside the shooting crowd, but there's some some acts only do well for the shooting crowds and for their friends. And there's one person in particular who's in my mind, and they didn't go on to do comedy because they just they were only good in front of a certain type of person. And you've got to learn to do two different things. Yeah. You've got to be multifaceted. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and 
Yeah, and I think there's um, the issue. This person I'm thinking about would smash it when they're in front of uh, that student audience, but it literally ended up. I open my cake, they couldn't hold their own, you know what I mean? Mm. And, uh, so, yeah, it's important to be able to straddle both horses. So, how did you find. Okay, so how did you break out of the open mic circuit? Yeah, well, I get. Oh, yeah, good question. Oh, you know what? I think it's. Um, I think you get to a point where. Well, you don't really ever break out, break out, because I still do gigs for free. I still. Um, I still do open mic gigs when they're useful for me. Uh, but here's a catch: I only do. I pick the ones I do. I don't do everyone because uh, I remember when I first signed out, I was considering driving like four hours to do five minutes and uh, each way, and I was just like, that's not worth. I, I I couldn't think of anything worse now. And uh, uh, now I only really do gigs like cover my uh, uh, at least for my expenses. You know what I mean? Uh, but I usually, uh, you know, but I'm getting lots of like paid work club weekends stuff as well but um but also uh i need to try out new stuff as well so i picked the gigs i really like like uh, uh in leeds is always br- brilliant as well uh, uh i do stuff like um there's lots of really cool places in newcastle which i do stuff uh, like the stand in that or it's yeah red wall is very good for that but it's, it's quite hard to get on with the stand the stand are very uh insular i'd say they're, they're very great their gigs are wonderful but it's hard to get booked on by them, you know what I mean? I've done several weekends for them, but uh, yeah, it's hard to be, they have so many people who want to be there as well, so. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, but yeah, there's loads of really uh, cool places to do it, and so I don't mind doing new stuff if it's helpful, because ha- even as a pro comic, you still do them. You know, oh, of course you do. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, but you kind of, I think you break out of it by just abstaining from it. I think I, I, I wouldn't do enough my gig without promise it's going to be fine, you know what I mean? I'm not going to do any gig, you know what I mean? And I think you learn to read red flags a bit more, because if you see someone post on a comedy forum saying, hey, I've got this gig, a fundraiser gig, and it's uh, uh, it's uh, not paid, but like, you, it's five minutes, and in, a, in, yeah. in someone's like, uh, yeah, it's in like, backyard yeah, or something. Oh, yeah. just like, there's loads of red flags out there, and yeah. you can tell what's a good gig, what's not a nice gig as well. Basically, so. if there's no fee for a charity gig, then... Well, that as well, but there's, there's more stuff as well. Like, you can just, I know, I, it's like a six cents, and just about... There's like, oh, I don't think that'd be a very nice. What would be your top five red flags then, if you? Um, yeah, fee's a good one. Uh, or not willing to uh, do anything like that. Um, location uh, in terms of, uh, oh, if no one says any, if it's brand new as well, that's something to look out for. Because if people uh, in person doing it as well, that's two and three. Like, just if a total random new person new person's doing it their levels of gig experience I don't know how to set the gig properly is uh, is impaired so you can have it really random and you know that's that's a big one um, what other as well uh, actually I'm, whilst I'm here I'm going to just google the Facebook comedy forum and just have a quick Please, look yeah. uh, have a quick look the think. little uh, the um, the holy grail the holy grail for every for every um, for every open mic and semi pro comedian is the Facebook comedy forum absolutely because it's not as cutthroat as the comedy collective is it it's uh, yeah a comedy collective is a sewer of comics I um, love it I, I kind of love it though I I, I, I sh- it's a, for those of you that aren't comics and listen to this it's a Facebook comedy group which is where comedians can post about their well gigs that are happening or podcasts that are going to get released or whatever else 
and arguments occasionally break out, don't they? Ah, oh, absolutely. And like, it's to answer my favorite moments of comedy. But like, uh, okay, uh, here's a couple. Uh, going on before the karaoke or disco or bingo oh, or anything. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Um, not offering any pesos and like just a couple of tens or fifteens as a tight promoter. Uh, artwork of the night as well. If it's you can, if you can tell if it's like that old school microphone, you know, the, the yeah. pruners, that's a red flag because that, that says that I don't know what a kind of microphone looks like as well. Like, uh, yeah. it's someone who doesn't really do comedy events. Uh, um, what you mean, like those old 50s silver yes, ones? Yeah, yeah I've seen so yeah, yeah. many of those. And the thing is, like, they must be copied and pasted from one poster. Absolutely. And I think people just uh, do that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'll let you know if there's any more, but I, um, oh, I'm not going to mention the name of this company that does it, but they, um, someone who's like, oh, we need a, either an open spot, but they need to drive from London all the way to Glasgow. I was like, well, no, obviously not. That's a fucking abuse of privilege. Timeless. But yeah, I, uh, I, I think at the same time, like, uh, I wouldn't do those gigs, but uh, well, I would do uh, it, it paid stuff for them for that that kind of yeah. before, But equally, like, uh, I just think that you, open spots deserve a little bit better than to be the barriers of uh, because they don't need open spots; they just want you to do their bidding. Yeah, you know I mean, and uh, and also like, just uh, yeah, it's really inconvenient. Uh, and but uh, yeah, but then again, it does get you seen and just yeah. get you out there. And uh, if you smash it, that's good, you know. Yeah, fucking off. Well. Yeah, and it is all about moving around the country. Moving around the country. Absolutely, you said you had that goal, so go for it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, uh, I've been doing. One of the things I've been doing out of London gigs since about last April, not yeah. including not including Edinburgh, obviously. And I think because of that, I've definitely broken the bubble. Like I will have nothing about my tube. I'll have nothing about the tube or anything like that. And because if it doesn't physically travel outside of London, it's not going to emotionally or metaphorically travel outside of London either. Yeah. So I'll just cut it. Yeah. Well, like in my show tonight, I'm talking. I do a bit while I'm on the tube, but like, uh, and I talk about that. Well, I do a joke, and it does reference the tube, but it's not a tube joke. But it, it's accessible because it's about where I, uh, what happens to me on that tube. Yeah. It's not about the tube. It's about uh, the experience and the emotion behind that as well. Yeah. So it's okay. I don't mean don't avoid the reference of it at all. But it just make make that location accessible. You know. Yeah. Like, well, tell it what what it, what your perception yeah. is of it. So like those are tubes. They train. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just stuff like that. It's just uh, just makes it a little bit more. It gets rid of the roadblocks which happen in people's minds as well. Like you don't want people to get distracted as well. So uh, no, that's not. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I kind of forgot what question I was answering there. But uh, oh, do you know I've <laughs> as well. Like that's the beautiful thing about doing this um, and it being so grassroots and DIY. No one really gives a shit. <laughs> like I love doing it yeah. and. It's really, it's a really good way to talk to people and stuff. Yeah. But end of the day, it's just a conversation, isn't it? Absolutely. That's yeah. it. It's just a conversation which just happens to be recorded. Uh, that's, that's the best one. I, I record all my conversations um, <laughs> yeah. in case of blackmail. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a really. Yeah. I'm a... I always wear a wire as well, like you know, like, <laughs> like a shaving chest. Uh, I can, yeah, I can see. I know. I just don't have any hair on my chest. So, like, <laughs> 
That's that's the excuse I use. <laughs> so, um, Futurama. Yeah. We talked about that. I'm, I'm so surprised that no one. I mean, I've had this. Um, some people have picked The Simpsons before, but no one's picked Futurama, and that's really weird to me because it's got such a cult following. Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I and I think with Futurama as well, because I watched it first as a kid, and uh, you kind of take the basic jokes as well. Uh, but I rewatched it as a teenager, adult, and I was like, oh my god! Like the, there's so many deep cuts, beautiful. Like the satire is so beautiful yeah. as well. I find it. Uh, yeah, I I I uh, so there's two layers of Futurama for me as well. Like there's a and it is again a very deep program as well. And, so many like I was watching it the other day in anticipation of this podcast and there's so many jokes that happen like, like it's like it's really snappy as well like, what yeah. if it's like it's a Matt Groening show it's a Matt Groening yeah. show and they are often very very layered yes because the symptoms on the face of it is just another right, exactly. just another just another sitcom about family but it's not it's got a load of political insight yeah absolutely and a lot of predictive programming yeah and i think that, uh, yeah it's uh yeah, I, I like I like the uh, yeah Simpsons is good uh, a very good reference to it as well. But there's so many uh, uh, things going on there as well, yeah. and it's uh, it can be enjoyed. What it, it's, it's different entry levels as well. Yeah. Like, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, but there's also simplistic beauty in there. Like it's just just straightforward as well. You don't have to think too hard about it. But no. also uh, there are smart gags in there as well. Like uh, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, yeah, so it's made a massive impact on who I am, I think. So, uh, Futurama. Yeah, Futurama. Yeah. Because uh, I, I think the closest persona to who I am on stage, especially the show Here Comes a Man, which is a show about love and romance, is uh, I think uh, I, I think I am essentially like uh, Philip J. Fry. Philip so, J. Like, Fry. Yeah, I knew you were yeah, going to say I, Fry. I just have that persona. I think, well, I don't know, I've just been the persona. It's like, I'm not as stupid as Fry, but like, yeah. like I just think he has that kind of yes that that, that full aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, and I just think he's uh, but also he's sentimental he's yeah. also quite uh, uh, full of heart and he's a caring person but also that's also to his own detriment as well I think yeah what a wonderfully written character I think I kind of Flip between Fry and Bender. Well, Bender's obviously there. That he's, uh, you know, uh, John DiMaggio who uh, voiced him is so good. Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, Bender is obviously so funny. And Bender, he's a, uh, he's the morally, uh, he's, oh, he's a. Uh, more, more, more of the dress person. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that's where a lot of the humour comes as well. And uh, yeah, I just think uh, Bender is just, uh, uh, I think, one of the greatest casting characters ever as well. He's genuinely phenomenal as well. So, yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, he's, we all, he's a bit like, well, every cartoon's got to have that that sort of character so like the uh, the Simpsons has got Bart Simpson yeah uh, South Park's got Cart- got Cartman yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they, they we all I mean that's because we all have that side because it's even though they're not the most likeable they're still relatable well, to an extent I, I, to be honest I, I think that Bender is really likeable actually because uh, even though he's genuinely a cr- criminal he's so so lovable though like, yeah yeah because he also has those moments where he is uh, really, uh, really, really, really like, touching as well. Like, yeah. Uh, um, I, I'm gonna dive deep on this, uh, but like, uh, like uh, there's a bit in a uh, Jurassic Park, Park, uh, an episode in the series, season four, uh, the English series four, uh, 
and uh, yeah, Bender is upset that Fry is kind of bringing his dog back to life uh, uh, from the year 2000, uh, and uh, it, he he does a sacrifice at the end because he he messed everything up, so he dies into the lava, uh, which is going uh, to destroy him, and he uh, he saves it as well. And uh, and but yeah, also like another reason why Futurama was the best is that um, the emotional episodes are really cut deep as well. They're like uh, uh, the episode I mentioned talks about. Um, uh, I'm thinking to get a bit of my, my, my skin picking up here, but like uh, there's a bit uh, at the end of uh, Jurassic Park uh, talks about the relationship with Fry and his dog before he gets frozen, and uh, uh, and uh, he finds the dog fossilized and he wants to bring him back to life. But he shows at the end he says, "Oh, he lived a uh, really long life after he's gone," and the, the episode shows the dog trying to find him as well. Aww. And at the end you just see him waiting for 12 years, uh, just waiting for his owner, and it's like it's playing the most sad music, and it's really heartbreaking. And uh, and even in the new ones, um, uh, there's one called Game of Game of Yawns or something like that. It's a Game of Thrones pun, uh, or Game of Thorns or something like that. Uh, and uh, it's a uh, Fry's having some mental problems. I only watched it once, but like he he's getting his voice in his head, and basically at the end he's able to reconcile and have a conversation with his mum who's been dead for a thousand years and it's like oh, yeah, that yeah, really, is that really. is so I mean that's lovely but at the same time that is heartbreaking yeah. at the same time well it's, it's I think it's you know what I think it's uh, masterful storytelling like the point of a good story is not only having laughs but it's also being connected to people and to have those really emotional bits uh, means that there's depth to the writing as well like uh, mm. I I like South Park but there's uh, I only can think of one episode where it really does that which is uh, Kenny dies but even that's done uh, for comedic yeah, effect yeah uh, but even so like uh, uh, yeah I, I, I just feel that uh, with that there's, a, there's so much poignancy to it as well and, yeah uh, and yeah, I just uh, I can know it. That's but it's a good like a radio head level sadness as well. I think it's just genuinely. Uh, uh, when I think of Futurama, I think of that quite often. I, I watched oh. it the other day, so <laughs> I do feel quite emotional about it as well. Like uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, it can hit you in the field, and I think yeah. that's the sign of a good writer being able to hit you where not for cheap laughs, but to hit you where uh, uh, it makes you feel something. You know what I mean? Like, and if you can make someone feel emotional during a comedy show. You that's really good. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, side, moving away from the emotional side a little bit, yes, I absolutely. love I love Katie Segal's voice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> like, and uh, like I mean, I've seen her like do live action stuff, obviously like Married with Children and Eight and Eight Simple Rules, yeah. but she's got a really distinctive voice, she does, doesn't it, she? So I, I th- I've watched. Um, I think she's she plays uh, uh, Jake's mum uh, in, in, uh, in uh, yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. yeah, and I, when I first listened to it, I was like. I know that from somewhere, and then after a couple of minutes, like, trying to believe that, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and she's all, uh, she's different from what I imagined her to be honest. I was like, oh, because obviously I didn't know her as Leela, yeah. but like, uh, yeah, but to be honest, the whole, everyone on that show is so good. And I think, and there's actually a really good documentary called Who Does That Voice, which John DiMaggio was the producer of, uh, and it talks about the history of voice acting, it's really, really good. Uh, and it's, uh, and I love, I think voice actors are so cool as well, right? And like someone like Billy West as well, who uh, um, in Futurama he does Fry, Professor Farnsworth, uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Zoidberg, and uh, Zach Brannigan, plus loads of other people as well. Right, that's four very distinct he, voices, and he's like a master of the craft. Yeah, he is. Like, I remember him doing um, 
a voice in one of the Scooby-Doo, one of the yeah. one of the uh, original Scooby-Doo cartoon, a '90s Scooby-Doo cartoon movie, and he does have. He, I mean, he doesn't have an, he doesn't have a distinctive voice because he can do anything, but he is multi-talented Absolutely. at his job. And um, I think he did. Um, Either Ren in Ren and Stimpy, uh, but uh, he did one of those, I think. And uh, he, he again very... another multi-layered cartoon. If you watch it as an adult, you know what? I haven't seen it, but I would like to. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where the thing with Futurama, I love every aspect about it, especially the voice acting as well. Uh, and uh, to see them work together, like uh, there's like there's loads of really good uh, talent on there. Like, um, and a lot of them came back to do um, Disenchantment as well. Uh, yeah. Did you ever see that? It's on Netflix, isn't yes, it? It is, yeah, yeah. And um, is it good? I liked it, but it, that is the it, that is okay, the yeah. that's the that's the sign of some, that's the sign of someone who's very disappointed. It's okay. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't as disappointed as other people, and it, it's fine. There are errors with it. But yeah. I think it's. I enjoyed it for what it is. You know is it I mean? Matt Groening being a bit lazy? Let's be honest. Is it Matt Groening not being at his top? You know, they do push the boundaries out, but also it's very. There's a template, I would say, but also they try and do something different with it, but also. Yeah, I don't know. But then again, I would watch that show for John DiMaggio uh, himself. He, he plays like King, King Zog, and he's so, like, just brilliant in it as well. Like, he, um, yeah. Uh, God, I might just stand there. Uh, John DiMaggio is great. Um, uh, he does um, uh, Marcus Phoenix in Gears of War as well, which is a very gravelly voice. Song. But uh, yeah, so uh, Futurama is like from an all-time uh, favorite sitcom as well. Is it, I, I was worried though. Is it a sitcom or is it animated? No, it's no. A, yeah, but you can have an animated sitcom. Yeah. Like that's perfectly fine. Oh. An animated sitcom is. But, but I also like the fact it's comedy, but also sci-fi. But, yeah. Okay. Like, uh, kind of mix. It, and there's a lot of deeps and. Also, a lot of people say that Rick and Morty is um, a sci-fi that, for that is really good, and it is. But like, if you look at Futurama, some really amazing plots for that as well. Yeah. And the, the, there's some big ideas in 20 minutes as well. Like, uh, they can destroy a planet in 20 minutes, or Bender become become a pharaoh in 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's so many really weird things, and uh, and they, they really they they're very efficient writers as well. Yeah. And, uh, and a bit like Arrested Development, they're at their best when the characters intermingle with each other as well, yeah. and their relationships with the characters. And when you pull them apart, they're not as good, but like it's nice to see them. Uh, I love it when they cruise together as well. Yeah. I'm just very conscious of time, man, because it's not five o'clock now. But Absolutely, yeah. yeah so, um, where, where can people find you? So please find me online, and you can find me at matthousecomedy.com, uh, or you can follow me at matthousecomedy on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I am um, currently on tour, but uh, I'm also working on the previews of my new show uh, called Hoss and Over, uh, which will hopefully be at the fringe this year. But if you want to find out more about what I do, join my main list. Just it's on my website, nice and easy, and uh, I do it about every six months, so uh, you won't be spammed. Uh, and uh, you can find me. Just come along to a gig, uh, and uh, or if you like podcasts like this, uh, I do. Miss, which is M-I-F-F-S and also uh, I've also got a new project in the lineup as well so ah okay we'll find out a bit like that later Matt Hoss has been an absolute pleasure man my pleasure thank you so much we're doing the obligatory handshake that no one can see <laughs> yeah take that and don't <laughs> see all my ideas guys <laughs>